Great Flood in Florida. The New York Times, August 4th, 1856. <clears throat> Mic check, one, two, one, two. Okay, bring an introduction right here. The Ordinary Times. Check, one, two. Stories for people who only attend church on Christmas and Easter where we explore the parallel narratives between the good news and the good newspaper. So there I was, a young, impressionable, southern, Northern's youth, listening to my older sister's music and a band named Tony, Tony, Tony. And for the record, that's spelled T-O-N-Y-T-O-N-I-T-O-N slash E. Yeah. And they tell me, through a song, it never rains in Southern California. So here I go, years later. And I move to Los Angeles. And in the words of the artist's Formerly known as Prince. Somebody lied. Because, fast forward, and for the past month or so, oh, it's been raining in Southern California. Heavily. And I also found that nobody in that band was actually named Tony. The leader was like named Raphael or something. And maybe I should have relied on a better news source. Yeah, you could say that. So that great truth brings me to an August 4th, 1856 article about a historic Florida flood where the New York Times deferred to printing the local expertise of the Tampa Peninsula. And in that article, we learn that there are different kinds of journalists covering events in different ways. And sometimes one journalist can cover several approaches. The journalist starts off as a straight news reporter. The immense amount of water falling in cascades has materially injured the crops. From Hernando County, we hear of some plantations being entirely ruined. In some places, the richest hammock lands in the state of cultivation have been covered with sand from 12 to 15 inches in depth. He tells what happened and when it happened, like an umpire calling balls and strikes. As the story develops, the author turns into a commentator. Washed from more elevated points, in others, the fields are submerged, crops destroyed, and the face of the country cut into ravines. Many sinks have been caused, as it were by a convulsion of nature. He adds color to his narration, giving the reader's imagination, perceptory direction. 
finally, our writer concludes as a pundit. But alas, the elements seem to have united with the Seminoles in their conspiracy against the welfare of South Florida. And the only dependence of her citizens for sustenance is now rendered futile. He goes beyond showing his expertise to revealing his alliances. I mention all that today because our lectionary reading in a year devoted to the Gospel of Matthew defers to relaying the expertise of the Gospel of John. In these accounts in John chapter 1 verses 29 through 34, we learn that even in the Bible there's something akin to different kinds of journalists covering events in different ways. And sometimes one of those journalists can cover several approaches. And like the Tampa Peninsula, this story, referencing another story, swirls around the imagery of water. Gospel The Gospel According to John Chapter 1 Verses 29 To 34 The next day John seeth Jesus Coming unto him And saith Behold the Lamb of God Which taketh away the sin of the world This is he of whom I said After me cometh a man Which is preferred before me for he was before me. In chapter 1, verse 29 through 30, John the Baptist starts off as a straight news reporter. The images in the account of water function as a current that merges itself into a larger cultural stream. For the Hebrew canon of Holy Scripture is plentiful with biblical records of water. In salvation history, God's people often receive revelation of their salvation far from land. One of them can be found in the story of the conservation of Noah's family after the world had been covered with water, up to 15 cubits or 23 feet in depth. The gospel tells what happened with water and John the Baptist in a similar way of Genesis telling what happened with Noah and water. It begins with John telling the play-by-play -play on what he saw. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. Not only was it news, but eyewitness news. And not only does John see Jesus, but he sees him in a particular light. It is also perspective that is informed by an earlier story. And saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The first story that deals with sin on a global level is the same one that suggests that an animal can assist in removing sin. While the story of Cain and Abel references the offering of an animal to God, Noah is the first one that mentions sacrificing one as a remedy for sin after the flood. 
The order of Jesus in salvation history has no bearing on his priority in its hierarchy. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. According to the birth narratives of other Gospels, John was born months before Jesus. Yet, here John shows an awareness of the pre-existence of Jesus as the Word incarnate. Now this idea of two intertwining stories both dealing with water, they bring me back to the Great Flood in Florida. Specifically that line where the writer betrayed his alliances and prejudices against the Seminole people. You didn't think that was going to let that line slip, did you? Like with all of the United States, Florida lies on a land previously occupied by indigenous people before the European settlers. So you might even say that it was kind of stolen. You might even say that the original inhabitants were kind of murdered mostly. And those murderers were kind of Christians? Kind of? You see, the Seminoles were a legendary southeastern group who, like the Cherokee and other groups, were known to take runaway black slaves and incorporate them into their own communities. And being that the Seminoles native to Florida didn't enjoy being driven off or murdered by Americans, they rebelled against the United States government under Chief Osceola in what is called the Second Seminole War. And one of the under chiefs was named John Jumper, who after being captured and sent to Indian Territory in Oklahoma, was converted to Christianity by John Douglas Bemo. Now he wasn't just any ordinary Presbyterian turned Baptist missionary, he was a Seminole and the nephew of Chief Osceola. So somehow John Jumper was able to differentiate the rising tide of oppression from American Christians and full immersion into the faith of Christ. Gospel The Gospel According to John Chapter 1 And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. As the story develops in chapter 1 verses 31 through 32, John the Baptist turns into a commentator. In Genesis's water, fields are submerged, creation is destroyed, and the face of the earth covered in a rapid sequence. The many sins of humankind have caused, as it were, the destruction of nature. It is said that the submersion was sent as a judgment from God. Yet John the Baptist comments on that earlier story by telling a newer one. 
where the same God sends an immersion to bring freedom and judgment. John announces Christ as the focus of this new narrative, giving his listening congregation spiritual direction. John the Baptist shares how he is reporting the news that was reported to him. In that he fulfills a prophet's role as God's spokesman. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. As the divine spokesperson, John's role was to be an announcer, broadcasting Jesus' appearance. Like Noah, he was alerting the world to salvation that will be found in the middle of the water. Yes, John the Baptist was a preaching prophet, but he was also one who revealed truth through signs, and his sign can be found in his title, Baptism. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. Like in the days of Noah, water was symbolically washing away sin. Yet John's water did not cause anyone's death, but revealed the Lamb of God who would provide eternal life. We are reminded of John's primary job as reporter, eyewitness, and record bearer. But his addition of descriptive commentary is what deepens its tie to salvation history. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. John doesn't just describe what he heard, but saw. And the sight of the Spirit that Jesus was said to have baptized with appeared as a dove, just like the dove that appeared to Noah. This dove symbolized peace between God and man. It was a message of salvation from judgment. This depiction of John the Baptist in the Gospel of John brings me back to the seminal Floridian John Jumper. He was baptized into the faith at a time when many other Seminoles were converting specifically to the Baptist. And unfortunately, it was also a time when the Southern Baptist denomination would be founded preaching salvation from judgment, but decidedly executing poor judgment. You might even call it evil. Fifteen years prior to the American Civil War, Baptists in the U.S. split over the issue of slavery. I'll let you take a minute to guess on which side the Southern Baptists landed in that decision. You done? And then when the same issue grew from a religious split to a national, political, and even military split, the Seminoles who had made treaties with the U.S. government after their own wars were forced to pick a side. John Jumper decided not only to side with the Confederates, but also to sign up and lead a Seminole regiment as a lieutenant colonel. Because even though the Seminoles had a history of protecting escaped American slaves, they also owned black slaves of their own. It seems here like baptism, after all, isn't magic and only removes your sin when you continue to follow Jesus' lead into all of your life until it matches all of his life.
Gasp, Gospel. The Gospel According to John, Chapter 1. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Finally, in chapter 1, verses 33-34, John the Baptist concludes as a pundit, and at last the narrative elements seem to be united with the work of the Spirit. In their conspiracy against the work of sinful flesh, the persons of the Trinity revealed their work in this water. The Godhead fulfills the dependence of his creation for salvation in this now redeemed arc of history. He goes beyond showing his enmity with sin to revealing his alliance with the saved. Ah, but then John the Baptist gets bashful again, saying how he is just reporting the news that was reported to him, like Edward R. Murrow being handed a typewritten paper live on TV screens. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. But the question is, who was handing him that report? Well, I don't know about Murrow. But John credits God as his producer. Like Noah, God had a message to John about a dove. As with the ark, the dove was to land on the vehicle of salvation found in water. The same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. When we say baptized with the Holy Ghost, we mean immersion. And in this final verse, the reader, if they are a believer, is submerged into three persons of the triune God which appear. They are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And here, they are one. Once again, John returns to reminding the listener of his role as a reporter. Once again, it is a little bit of a distraction to what he's really doing. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. But this time, he goes full pundit. And by pundit, I mean an advocate of a particular notion of thought. He's not an unbiased reporter calling balls and strikes. He is a designated hitter for a particular theological persuasion. And that is that Jesus is not only the King, the Son of God, but Jesus is the Christ, God the Son. Now, do you remember our old friend in Florida, John Jumper? Well, after the war, he not only bore the title of chief, but gain that of pastor of the Spring Baptist Church near Sasaqua in the Seminole Nation. He held that position for nearly 30 years. And also as part of the Confederate surrender 
the Union Army stipulated that all slaves must be emancipated, even the ones on Seminole land. Now look, I searched all over the internet through the historical records in Oklahoma and such, and I don't know if John Jumper's views on slavery or race evolved over time, but I do know this. The other union, that of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, compels all who are immersed, dipped, poured, or sprinkled with the life-saving water of baptism to not oppress the lives of others. Be that American to Seminole, colonist to indigenous, or master to slave. Because we all have but one master, God, and his kingdom will one day flood the nations with justice and mercy. Great Flood in Florida The New York Times So look, I know this podcast has been a little bit all over the place back and forth in this episode. And I know what you're thinking right now. How did you, a millennial, end up listening to Generation X music? I mean, aren't they like the forgotten generation or something? Well, actually, you know what? Just a few minutes before I prepared the end of this podcast, did a little research, and I found out that It Never Rains in Southern California wasn't even a song original to Tony, Tony, Tony. You see, Tony, or Raphael, got his song and his idea as a remake from a guy named Albert. Yeah, yeah, in 1973, this guy named Albert Hammond made the original It Never Rains in Southern California. So there I am at the end of a chain from a baby boomer to Generation X to me, an elderly millennial. I heard a bad idea from Tony, who was really Raphael, to only hear that he got it from Albert. But all jokes aside, isn't that how we get our ideas about religion? Isn't that how John Jumper encountered a slave master friendly faith that was a corruption of a religion founded by Hebrew slaves? You see, all too often we receive what was passed down to us as a Bible-based belief that doesn't focus on the central message of that Bible. And the powerful pick portions as a pretext to propagate their power. And all the while, Jesus stands in the middle of healing waters, calling out, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. And all the while, we are too invested in the traditions of the elders to notice that the aforementioned faith that we found ourselves in 
was just the form of Phariseeism. So if you will, for me, do me this favor. Ask yourself today, whose report will you believe? Because there are no impartial reporters here. And some color commentary may be concealing a clever con job dressed up as Christianity. So if at the end of the day, everyone is engaging in a kind of punditry, whose expertise will you accept? Well, as for me, I choose Jesus, the God who washes away judgment and replaces it with joy. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go arrange my 90s R&B CD collection. It never rains in Southern California. Southern California. Yeah, what you know about that old school? <laughs> yeah.